What's up, what's up, what's up? I'm so excited about this show. This is a podcast that gives a voice to the voiceless. We have carved out a place for community organizers and activists to promote their ideas and share their causes. We are a community that is focused on helping the least of these. And we are here to make justice, compassion, and decency a way of life. I'm Joe Woski. This is Will Cuz. This is Talking About a Revolution podcast. Thank y'all for joining in. Like I said, this is Will Cuz, and we are recording this on September 4th, 2020, 9.46 p.m. And today we have an interview with Theodore Murray, who is running in Florida's 17th Congressional District for for House of Representatives. He's running against Greg Stubbe, who is the incumbent, and also the Democratic uh, challenger, Alan Ellison. See, I'll make make sure y'all sign up for our newsletter, too. Uh, it's an extension of our podcast, and the podcast we're just handing over the microphone to the grassroots, so we want to know what you think about everything, so you can email us at talkingrevolutionnow at gmail.com So I have a Lefty Christian Facebook page called The Real Left Christian. We also have a Discord channel and it is a place for Lefty Christians to discuss theology, theory, and have com- show camaraderie with each other. It's a great place to keep the conversation going. We have another Facebook group called Talking About a Revolution, where we're going to prompt questions for the viewers. You can go to our Anchor's website and check up our podcast page, Talking About a Revolution. And there is a button where you can actually give us a voice-recorded message. So let make sure to do that and let us know what you think, and we'll plug you in on our podcasts. You can email us and set up an interview. Or and you can sign up for the newsletter, and we'll give you directions to how to how to connect to us all these different ways. So stay tuned to the end of the episode, and you'll hear that prompt question that I was referring to. I'll give you a little teaser. It it does have to do with the 2020 election, and what do you how how are you how are you feeling about the 2020 election? Looks like the polls are tightening up a little bit. It also looks kind of like the bed line is tightening up uh biden looked like he was running away with it uh, about a month ago and now it looks within striking distance for trump um we're all getting a little bit nervous we don't we we all want to get rid of trump how do you how are you feeling about all this right now 2020 election this is like a videotape of the 2016 election right hillary was blowing out donald trump and then as time goes by, it just kept getting closer and closer. At this point in the election, I feel like it's a statistical tie. I mean, come on, he lost the popular vote by almost 3 million votes against Hillary, and he still won the damn Electoral College. And with that said, I'm, he's trailing in a popular vote right now, basically, and that's it. Electoral College, map kind of looks like it's an even thing here, and that Trump can easily walk out with this thing. So it's definitely worrisome. 
And I don't want to see that. I know most people that feel the same way as me do not want to see that. But currently, it it doesn't look like it's going well for Biden. Like you said, the poll numbers are coming together. Trump's uh, polling higher in comparison to Biden. We still don't have like a third party candidate that's uh, really eating into it. It's just Donald Trump gaining on Biden. Oh, after the DNC convention, he got a small bump on his enthusiasm, but Trump's enthusiasm is through the roof. I'm here in West, West Texas, and everywhere that I turn, I'm seeing Trump signs. They are posted up every day with the Trump caravan with Trump flags and Trump gear for sale. It's it's depressing, and uh, I'm not seeing very much Biden. Most Biden supporters that I talk to aren't enthusiastically supporting Biden, but their main concern is getting rid of Trump. So this is just the depressing strategy that we've seen play out before. It's kind of like we're reading one of those books where it says turn to page 16 and uh, try to appeal to the moderate Republicans. And we've already know that this is a losing strategy. Don't do that. You're going to die. Don't turn to 16. No, we've already did this before. Uh, no one wants to listen to us, Will, but uh, – I did watch the RNC convention. I, I put myself through the DNC convention. Uh, they were very interesting, to say the least. Did you put yourself through any of that? Oh, actually, I, I don't watch conventions. It's a bunch of chest pounding, and I get nothing out of them. So that's that's the thing about it. So I want to inform people of what the hell happened at these conventions. So I think this is a perfect situation. So what on the Democratic convention, what was your main main takeaway just of their messaging on the Democratic convention? I feel like their main message was that Trump is bad and that <laughs> I there was it was very it was lacking a lot of policy there was a lot of empty platitudes and there, it was completely lacking any kind of policy I was very confused Will because on the same night and not just the same night but back-to-back -back speakers you had Bernie Sanders and John Kasich and Bernie Sanders would say uh yeah we're gonna you know keep moving left we've already changed the conversation and then that like five minutes later you hear Kasich saying uh yeah i'm sure that biden is not going to turn left that's why i support him yeah it's like a contradictory message right <laughs> but you know after watching the whole message you realize that the true message between those two was the Republican one because there was plenty of pitch to the, the moderate Republican. It seemed like that the uh, the play that Democrats were making for was for the uh, undecided moderate Republican or maybe the affluent suburban white neighborhood. Well, I don't, I don't blame them for this, though. I mean, come on. People on the left aren't voting for Donald Trump. And the hell are you trying to win over here? You're trying to win over the right currently. But it is crazy that it's such a conflicting message one after another. And, I mean, the only reason I was ever thinking about tuning into any of it was AOC. 
I, I wanted to hear what she had to say. And then I was informed that she was only going to have like a minute to speak or something. And it just seemed like they they used her since she's a very popular. She's a very known name of the Democratic Party right now. And she's very popular among the base that I belong to. And I felt like it was more of a ratings grab just to have her on there, but not to allow her speak not to allow her to speak too much because they didn't want her to, or they didn't want, they don't want the public to think that the democratic party is about what AOC's policies are about. It's like they'll use her for her popularity, but they don't actually want to run with her politics. And so, yeah, she didn't really even get, she didn't even get invited to the convention. She, Bernie invited her and, uh, there was no representation hardly from progressives. I keep on hearing in the media, they're like, yeah, the progressives, you had uh, Bernie and Stacey Abrams. I'm like, wait, Stacey Abrams, when did she become progressive? And then the other one is like uh, Tammy Duckworth, which I don't know even barely who that is. And I follow politics closely, so she can't be that very progressive. I'll tell you a little bit about the, a little bit more about the DNC convention. It felt like they were playing defense the entire time, and it was on Republican terms, mm-hmm. which was kind of frustrating. Like Biden made sure to stress that uh, he's not weak on crime. You know, he made a sh- made sure to stress that they're not going to go too far left on helping the poor. They're not going to ban fracking. Uh, but there was some uh, pretty good moments where I think that Biden was able to relate to the common person. Uh, there was one spot where they brought on this kid that had a speech impediment and had a stuttering problem. And he mentioned how Biden had reached out to him and he felt empowered by the fact that Biden had got over his stuttering problem. And then there was also a guy who rode the train from uh, back and forth to Congress. He, he worked the train and he rode with it every day with Biden. And he got to know Biden and Biden got to know him. And they built a personal relationship. And this was just a working class guy. So that uh, made Biden look very empathetic and very working class. But there was a couple of really bad moments where... Mostly it was just full with empty platitudes. And then they were very normalizing to like people like Colin Powell and these war hogs like that. So to sum up the DNC convention, uh, we're not sure how we're going to take on the rent problem. We're not sure what we're going to do to take on COVID besides more PPP funding. But we sure as hell are going to restore the soul of America, whatever the hell that is. Will I don't have no idea what the soul of America is, but we are going to restore it. <laughs> that is that is definitely what we're going to do. I'm not sure. You know, there was a lot of voting shame or so in the DNC one, so it was kind of hard to watch that part too. You know, they they spent a lot of time, uh, you know, voting shaming and, but it it, it there was some good moments too. So. What about the RNC then? Because uh, it seems like you're painting the Democratic picture or Democratic convention 
uh, seems like more of a positive note, at least. Like, they're going to restore the soul. He says there, I mean, they're attacking the current president. Yeah. He's like putting more of a positive spin One thing, on I it. think it was kind of a weak strategy. Like they said, they were playing defense on a lot of the Republicans' terms because then after the Republicans came up second, their, their, their RNC convention was the week after the DNC convention, and then they kind of hammered home everything that the DNC was playing defense on and they it was really hysterical will because they made it sound like some kind of socialist utopia like some kind of perfect country that Biden was going to and oh we're going to have open borders we're going to give health care to these illegal immigrants Biden it isn't going to give health care to citizens let alone non-citizens Biden's going to ban fracking and put uh, the oil industry out. And Biden's not going to ban fracking. He's made that super, super clear, too. But there was a lot of bipolar policies in this that leaves you very confused, too, because they spent a little, quite a bit of time explaining how Trump was the anti-war candidate. They, how he... Uh, was bringing troops home, and then they would turn around and have another candidate who is a war hawk explaining how, and they were celebrating Trump's war crimes, how he killed Soleimani and did this and did that, and they were celebrating his hawkish views. So if you're anti-war, you you really have no idea. They were all over the place as far as, and law, law and order too. Now, this was very strange because they spent a lot of time pitching the law and order that they are more law and order than the Democrats. But then they spent a few nights uh, breaking the Hatch Act, pitching their convention on the on the lawn of the White House. So if you're the law and order candidate, what, so you're saying the law and order is just for the poor. Because the rich is not the rich and powerful don't have to. You're not the law and order candidate for the rich and powerful. You, there is no law and order for you. You're above the law, and that it was blatant. Will now there was a couple plays on the working class that was kind of worrying to me because I felt like it could land in some places. They spent one day where they had a bunch of people where Trump had pardoned this one guy who had was on death row, and then. They had pardoned another person, and then then they had another day where they brought out all the essential workers and uh, were thanking them, and it was very sentimental, and it may have landed with some people. But the first night of the convention on Twitter, cocaine was trending, and that was because Don Jr. and Kimberly Guilfort had ridiculous speeches. These were cartoonish speeches, Will. This was hilarious. As someone who would be apolitical, I was frightened. I felt like she was yelling at me and shunning me for something that I had done. Oh, man, it it was just straight out of North Korea propaganda playbook. She was at level 11, And she didn't go up and down with the speech. She was at a constant 11 the whole time from beginning to end. So it was hilarious. So cocaine was trending on Twitter because of that. Um, So yeah, the RNC convention was... 
it was a little bit easier for me to watch than the DNC convention, but just because it was hysterical. They were describing a socialist utopia and just straight lying one after another. And then they had these comical characters. It was it was entertaining to say the least, Will. RNC definitely had a bunch of striking things that I read about. And one of them being that they it was just a lot of lying, a lot of trying to make turn Trump into a person that he's not. As it seemed like from what I was reading in any of the transcripts I read of Trump's, because I tend to read them, <laughs> it's like, um, it, it seems like they try to act uh, like he's done just really well with coronavirus and that coronavirus isn't like a big problem whatsoever and that they completely flouted this um i didn't really see any kind of like social distancing in the little bit that i watched because i did watch the mike pence speech and everything i didn't really see a lot of social distancing anybody even caring about it and it just seems like i don't know we're getting to the point where we're in an authoritarian state where it's just forget what you see and hear only pay attention to what i'm going to show you and tell you type thing um, because I mean, coronavirus is still horrible. Uh, they, they tried to, from what I gather, like you said about Biden, how, you know, they said he was going to open up the borders and all these things. It seems like they tried to create not only a different candidate in Donald Trump, they try to create a different candidate in Joe Biden. They're trying to create someone that doesn't exist that Trump's running against because clearly if you read any of the policies they talk about on Joe Biden, it's like he does not stand for this shit. That's actually one of the reasons or most of the reason why we, I can't get behind Joe Biden. Like as a supporter of Joe Biden, I mean, I might vote for Joe Biden, but I'm not a supporter of Joe Biden. And that's one of the reasons why is that he's not, very progressive whatsoever and he doesn't want anything that they claim that he wants when it comes to progressive views and then they go to an extreme rate with it also he further left than what i would go on uh, some issues and he's not even as left as me but on the people's convention what do you get out of that what's your main point there so yeah if you watched in either one of the conventions the dnc or the rnc convention or if you heard about them you were probably left depressed and upset about the future so luckily on this past sunday they had the people's party convention and what it is is set up by nick canna and ryan knight it stemmed from the draft burning movement and they had a list of a-list progressive leaders uh speak on how we need to make a new party i'll just tell you a few few highlights from what i i really enjoyed it you can check it out on youtube uh chris hedges was probably one of the most notable uh he was on fire he 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 used a lot of really good arguments i recommend you check his out so one of the uh, downsides of this People Party convention that I did not enjoy too much was 
they had two Yang Gang guys there. And they were uh, talking about how there are good millionaires and good billionaires and they are promoting capitalism and ethical type of capitalism. And then you had uh, Jesse Ventura, who says he has no political home, so he's a Trojan horse for the third party movement. But then he describes his political ideology as being physically conservative but socially liberal and you don't he says he doesn't have a political party wait i thought all all of the political parties are politi- physically conservative and socially liberal <laughs> like including the 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 democrats the republicans the libertarian parties how about we have a party that is actually physically liberal and socially liberal <laughs> You know, but I mean, I've realized we need to reach out to all these people, but come on, we don't need another, a fourth party, uh, for billionaires and physically conservative folks. But overall, the people's party convention was a home run, man. They knocked it right out of the park. It was very inspirational. One person right after another, they had expert on climate, uh, climate science. They had expert on being anti anti war, Medea Benjamin, she's one of my heroes. They had plenty of people who were critical of Joe Biden, Jimmy Dore, Tim Black. Then they had the two leaders of this mo- of this party, uh, Ryan Knight and Nick Hanna. But the three headliners of the event were Marianne Williamson, Cor- Doctor Cornell West, and Senator Nina Turner. So uh, all three of these, I thought they did an awesome job because they tied together the morality with progressive policies. I was very inspired by all three of them, as I always am. The final note that I thought we should carry on to other conventions is whenever Democrats and Republicans, whenever they finish speaking, they say, All right, God bless you, and God bless America. Well, I really appreciate how Mary Marianne Williamson (laughs) had mentioned. God bless the world. Can we start saying that? (laughs) God bless the world, Will. Instead of saying God bless America, let's say God bless the world. I mean, that makes so much more sense to me, too. God bless us all. God doesn't just love America. God loves the world. Shit, then why even pray for one person? Why are we not praying for the world every time we pray? Why not, why not when I get down on my knees, not even talk about myself or anything? Why am I not just praying for everybody? <laughs> yeah, but whenever the God bless, because the God bless America thing is kind of rooted in, America, in American exceptionalism, which is rooted in American imperialism, you know, it's just nasty to, to people like me. All right, our next guest is a progressive for the Congress for Florida in the 17th District. Theodore, pink tie Murray. Huge guy, pink tie, won't lie. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Murray. Well, thank you for having me. This is uh, one of my first uh, inaugural type of podcasts, you know what I'm saying, in relation to my congressional run. 
Well, what this is is just a place for the grassroots, so you came to the right place. Thank you so much for taking some time, but we'll go ahead and uh, get right to it. Why don't you tell us why you're running? Uh, the reason that I'm running is I think that there's too many people out there that are afraid to say the truth whether because of their political affiliation, whether because they're afraid that they've got something in their history that's going to be dug up and used against them to expose them as being human. And I just think that they're afraid to actually make change because they're afraid that they're going to get taken down at the same time. I don't feel that way. I am who I am. Accept me, love me, hate me, whatever. I'm only human after all. You know, we can all go ahead and sing that. We're all damaged. We've all got issues. But at the same time, a lot of us are just plain old pissed and we're tired of being sold out. You know, how many trillions of dollars did they just hand out for us to get 1200 bucks? And that wasn't even all of us. If they'd have paid every individual American $1,200, they'd have still been less than what they handed out to the corporations and the corporations already had money on their books. You know, I, I own a small business and if I get into financial ruins or straits or destitute or what have you, I have to leverage my assets. That's why you're a corporation. You know, I don't have a slush fund. The taxpayers aren't going to bail me out. But it always seems like we're always left behind and the profits are theirs. The pollution and problems are ours. And I'd like to change that. I mean, I'm a big fan of private public endeavors. But at the same time, when do we get paid for being a part of that? Without the infrastructure, without the people living in the areas that we do, Businesses wouldn't even have consumers to sell their goods to. There's two parts to the economy. There's producers and there's consumers. You need both of them. And if we're here, we're doing one of them. We're either producing or we're consuming. So we're a viable part of the economy. And we always get left behind. And, I mean, I don't pick sides, red or blue. I think that they're just out there to screw both of us, all of us. You know, none of them there are to protect us. If you remember Obama when he did Occupy Wall Street, you know, that was a major movement that he crushed. So you can't tell me that, oh, he was a progressive. He was this, he was that. He touted Obamacare, which started off as Romney care because it was a Republican policy that they were doing in Massachusetts. And yet that's how what they call progressive. Progressive to me is taking all the ideas from around the world, cherry picking the best ones and making sure that they'll work here. And if they work over there, why wouldn't they work here? It's not that extremely difficult to me, but to them, apparently it is because of the obstructionism, because of just the, the piecemeal that they always do. You know, they always just give you a little drop, a little drop, keep you going, keep you going. I, I see it as the, the carrot in front of the horse. Well, hell, we never even get a bite of the carrot. So that's why I'm running. I'm just tired of the nonsense and I really don't have a whole lot to lose. I have a history. I have a past, but I'll own it. It is what it is. I've been through some incidences. I enjoy smoking marijuana. I, I qualify for it, but medically, I'm not going to go and purchase it because it's more expensive purchasing it medically than it is just to purchase it like you've normally been doing for 20, 30 years. So that's where I'm at. I uh, know that you care a lot about the environment. Can you explain a little bit how that uh, motivates your politics? Okay. The area that I come from, well, I don't come from here. I, I uh, chose to be a Floridian, like 67% of the rest of the state. So this was one of the places that I had visited many, many times with my family growing up. And we'd come down and vacation and things. I'm originally from Western New York, uh, near Letchworth State Park. It's called the Grand Canyon of the East. It's a very beautiful place. And we took to heart a lot of conservationism, 
different things because of the Love Canal where I grew up, Buffalo area. I heard a lot about pollution. And then when I came down to Florida, it's almost as if it was never mentioned. And so if you look at it, the state of New York started, you know, 100, 200 years, whatever, before Florida did, just because it's one of the original colonies, you know, the 13. So it's got a lot more history. We have to learn from people that have been around longer because they've gone through problems that we might not have gone through yet as a younger state. And so we need to seek yeah. out and figure out what we can do to protect the environment because down here, one of the largest things is green algae. And we've got a lot of green algae everywhere, algae blooms, uh, what do they call it, sangre de maria in Spanish, it's uh, red tide. So we've got a lot of those yeah. issues here, but it's a compilation of events. It's not just a single thing. And so water is very important. Without water, we die in three to four days. Without food, it's 30 days. So which would you rather do? You know, Let's go ahead and think of the necessities first. So when I moved down here many, many years ago, I always notice these giant stacks in the background. They call them Florida Hills, Florida Mountains. They're gypsum. Well, gypsum is radioactive. And radioactive gypsum blows all over the people. And there's a ton of cancer treatment centers in the great state of Florida and the, the central part, as well as the west coast over Tampa and east coast over by, you know, uh, Palm Beach and the rest of those. And there's a reason for it. A lot of the water is polluted with radiation. A lot of the water is just runoff from the gypsum stacks and the mines of them just harvesting the phosphate. And I understand that we need businesses. I understand we need industries. I understand we need jobs. But at the same time, we're spending a lot more than $500 million a year on medical costs, expenses, different treatments than the $500 million that they're putting into the local economy. And of that, $86 million of its taxes. Okay, well, the economy of the state of Florida is roughly, I think it's right around 200, 300 billion, somewhere in there. It, it's a pretty substantial piece. And the largest contributor to that is tourism. So that's $100 billion a year compared to the phosphate mines, meager pittance of 500 million. I don't say a meager pittance by way of it's not a substantial sum, but in the grand scheme of things of $100 billion tourism, let's focus on that. Not with COVID right now, so obviously you still have to have a strong base. But at the same time, we've got to get the gypsum stacks cleaned up. We've got to get it so that people want to come to Florida. I've been to Costa Rica many, many times, and their their plan for sustainability is to play off of their strengths. And their strengths are beautiful sunsets, gorgeous beaches. So they're very, very gung-ho on cleaning up on Green New Deal, you know, just to go ahead and coin something here that we use to paraphrase. And I just look at a lot of different countries, and I think that we could do that as well. That's, that's truly what I see as an American, as a melting pot. And the pollution doesn't have to be the way that it is. And they just leave it. There's no innovation. There's no new research. They don't even try. It's just, well, this is how it's always been, and this is how it's always going to be. And I thank God for the younger generation, the people younger than me. I'm 42. feel old as hell, but I'm 42. I finally got up the gumption. I spent seven grand to get on the ballot of my own money. And there's a big rigmarole. I literally want to teach classes on how to get on the ballot because they try to stop you at every turn point, every step of the way. It's a mockery. You've got to pay your state literally to be on the ballot. And it doesn't even go to the state. It doesn't go to the taxpayers. It goes to the Democratic and the Republican Party. In the state of Florida, it's $10,440. How many people have that? 
how many how many yeah. people have that to go ahead and get onto a ballot and we're told that we have life liberty in the pursuit of happiness well it's a pursuit because they rigged the system so damn much that you're never going to catch it it's just a pursuit keep running fatty you know someday you'll get there and that's not true <laughs> They've just gone ahead and they just keep moving the mark and they move it. And they're like, shit, they figured this out. Let's move it a little further. Ah, you want yeah. mail-in voting? Let's move it a little further. And that's what I'm really tired of. And as a congressman, I have the rights to go ahead and submit a bill every single day if I want to. And I want to. I don't want to be a career politician. Hell, I don't even want to be a politician. But nobody else is going to step up and be that mark. I'll be that mark. I got a sordid history. I've lived. It's been an amazing journey, and I just want to make sure that the people that don't have the fortitude right now can go ahead and see people doing it and be like, hell yeah, we can do that too. Seven grand, yeah, I'll save up a little bit, and I'll go ahead and get that. That's two years, you know, and that's me running as an independent. That's nonpartisan because red or blue, which one do you want to screw you and me, you know, and, and I'm tired of that. The two-party system is not American at all. And that's what they were afraid of as founding fathers, that and billionaires, you know, snowballed wealth. And well, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. This is where the sidewalk ends. Like you did say, you are running as an independent between, I mean, what's the incumbent's name there? Greg Stoops. How do you Stoobie. It's Stoobie. Yeah. Don't, oh, don't just say Stoob. Yeah. It couldn't be Wasp. It's got to be B. You know, you got to go ahead and separate yourself from the crowd. It's like so you're running in between him as a Republican incumbent and the Democrat Alan Ellison. Alan Ellison. And I've met Alan and I think the world of Alan, but at the same time, Alan won't say what I'll say. Alan right. still is tethered to the Democratic Party to a party role. Yeah. So he's a party boy. I mean that and I don't mean it like that, you know what I'm saying? But he's definitely a, a political <laughs> party oh, I, guy. He he has to toe that mark. Under, understand completely what you mean by that, um, because uh, the Democratic and the Republican institutions. Um, oh, they're bought and paid it's, for. It's, it's a problem. They're bought and paid for. It's uh, corporate. Uh-huh. They're the gimp. They go ahead and get them out of the box every once in a while when it's voting. <laughs> so, but the the Republican Party is claiming now that they're what is it? They're knocking on one million doors a week while canvassing right now throughout the country, and the Democrats spreading COVID. At that rate, exactly. Now, and the Democrats, yeah, to do exactly. anything. So and, we're spreading and, COVID far and wide, yes. so that we can get our money's worth on that vaccine. Yeah. And the that. Democrats are due to COVID nineteen are choosing not to uh, take yeah, advantage. Right. Of any Nobody's kind of- got Biden's back. That's why hell he won't even come out of his basement. He wouldn't even take the cognitive test of pointing out a friggin' elephant like Don <laughs> the Con Trump did. He can't even point out an elephant. Come on, man. These guys are washed up. Between them, that's 150 years. 150 years between two people. Yes, and Biden's not done anything. He's had a, a comb over since the 80s. At least Trump is fresh. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of stuff. I'm tired of it. But I can say this stuff because I financed myself. I'm not tethered yeah. to Pelosi. I'm not tethered to Schumer. Hillary Clinton. Everybody's like, oh, my God. So what if they go ahead and arrest Hillary? I was like, Do you, can we bring snacks? Is that something that we can go to watch the whole review? <laughs> you get me twisted. I, I don't have a favorite. You know, I'm not God. It's not the Jews. So it's just, I'm just here. I'm just tired of the nonsense. And truly, if I get an opportunity to serve the country, I'm going to serve the country. But I'm going to serve the country for three terms at most in Congress. And if I get bumped up, then cool. But either poop or get off the pot. You know what I mean? Some of these people have been there for 80 friggin' years and they're just hanging on. Feinstein? 
or that's her name, right? Feinstein. She's really Feinstein. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's been robbing the post office before Trump got there. What's she pissed? And he's kind of, you know, muscling in on her territory. They're all feeding, feeding at the troughs. That's it. Rest assured, I can find an elephant. I can pick out an elephant and I can even count backwards with sevens, you know, 193. What is it? 86, oh, yeah. uh, 79. It was 72. We can do a 65. This wait, is wait, live, wait, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, this we, is, we, this we, is a big thing. Oh, it, yeah. The cognitive test. That's, uh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, but Biden won't even take it. He won't even it, take it. And then he won't debate Trump either. That doesn't give me warm, fuzzy feelings inside. I mean, the, his his campaign's already agreed to three debates, whereas Trump's campaign has not agreed to them yet. I mean, just oh, okay. By, um, yeah, he keeps saying that he doesn't want to debate. He doesn't want to debate, and I'm like, well, that kind of reminds me of when he didn't want to debate Bernie. You know? Yeah. And I'm I'm really a little bit sour about the whole Bernie thing because he had it. He had crushed uh, his numbers. Yeah. He knew the thirty percent. He knew all that. And then right, South Carolina man, they closed ranks, crushed him. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> Oh yes, and Bernie should have had that. Um, I'm I'm pretty sour about the Bernie situation, also. But w- with that all said, the two different paths are going. What? How are you getting your name out to your community currently? Are you taking more of a digit digital approach? Are you absolutely? Yeah. I'm taking a digital approach because this is what I do. I'm going to tell you, it's tremendous, and I want you guys to start doing this too. Because I don't want people to spend money. Jesus, we're going through a plague. Nobody's got money. They act like $1,200 over 10 weeks is amazing while they get $4,000 a week. Then they're like, no, you guys are good. $120? If you were in Haiti, I mean, you could buy ice cream with your shaved ice. That would be great stuff. You know, you could have an amazing life off of that. (laughs) Well, we don't live there. That doesn't make any sense. You're, You're literally making us beg for our own money to be put back into us. The state of Florida contributes $200 billion yearly to the federal budget. $200 billion. New York State contributes almost twice as much more than what they get. California is the same, twice as much more than what they get. Kentucky gets more than what they put in. So this is the kind of thing. They're like, well, which one of you are loyal? Which one of you are this? Which one of you are that? So this is what I do. I'll get back to your question. I'm sorry. What I do is I find like Greg Stube. I get onto his Facebook page. And since he is my representative, he can't block me. It's against the law. He can't block me. You took the job. You take my money. You get to take my grievances. Tough shit. You know what I'm saying? That's how it is. It comes with a job. And so what I'll do is I'll hit up every post that he puts because everybody reads the comments. Everybody reads the comments. That's the biggest thing. People sit down there. Ooh, there's a lot of comments. Must have been a feisty debate, you know? So everybody will read the comments. So what I do is I mirror them. I'll go ahead and what he posts, I'll respond on. I'll say, you got a better choice. You can have this guy. And I'm not even full of crap. You can look me up. My Facebook page is wide open from 10 years ago. What you get is what you get. And then I'll go ahead and I'll find like the swap pages and the different things from those areas. And I'll post on there because it's free. Why should I charge people for that? Did you know by law that I can keep $174,000 of my campaign contributions each year? That's why they snowball it. That's why they have millions in their war chest. It's not for you. It's not for somebody coming up. It's for them because they can suckle off of that forever as long as they keep their campaign name on there. I found out so much from all of this. It just makes me sick. I get like a $3.1 million budget and 18 staffers. Six of those staffers are going to be lawyers. Why? Because I'm suing everybody. That's it. I'm suing everybody. You got a problem? Mosaic's going to have strong arm on you? Okay, well, let's go ahead and let the United States government back you. Because that's what we're supposed to be there for. 
the, the literal definition of the government, what it is supposed to function as is the general welfare of its people to increase that, not decrease it. Now I got my 60 million. I'm out. What? That's disgusting. And so if you're going to run as a public servant, you should never, ever think that you're going to be rich. If you want that, go in the private and create something. I have no problem with that. But don't go into the public service arena thinking that the taxpayers owe you anything. We don't owe you anything. You know, you're running so that you can go ahead and be our voice because a lot of us are afraid to speak up. I'm not afraid to speak up. I'm 6'6", 300 pounds. I can run a little bit, you know, not a ton. I mean, I used to run like a 4940 back in college, but that's when they were paying me. Ain't nobody paying me to run now, so I ain't going. So that's how I get my voice out. That's how I get my stuff out. That's how I go ahead and show who I am. Is it effective? I don't know. But it's not detrimental. You know, a lot of people go ahead and respond, yeah, yeah, we know who you are. And so that's why I recruit my own army. You know, I used to call myself Bernie and the Kratz, and I'm a Kratz. <laughs> And that was the whole thing, though, because that was the movement. It wasn't about money. Because look at Bloomberg. I mean, no matter how much money that little prick had, it's $500 million. He spent, like, what was it, six weeks? Never. He found out that people didn't like him. He could have <laughs> called me up and just paid me 100 bucks, And I'd be like, no, nah, nobody likes you. You're just a rich guy that everybody laughs about. And that's it. But he didn't do that. He spent all kinds of money thinking that he had it in the bag because Trump bought the last one. But Trump wrote in on people's anger. That's really what he did. He wrote in on people's anger because we were lied to. You know, come on, Obama could have pushed Medicare for all right through. He had the Democrats, the, the House and the Senate for the first, just about the first term. You know, like Trump, when he had the House and the Senate, what did he do? He rammed through $1.5 trillion tax break for the wealthiest people in America. And then we're going to give them money on top of it. So we're going to give them tax breaks. We're going to give money on top of it. Then we're going to have 50 million unemployed people uh, bread lines and you know, this is working. What? I literally got caught in Costa Rica for 40 days on quarantine when all this went down. Cause I went down on the 13th of March and I wasn't even able to come back until, uh, almost May. I had to buy a bunch of plane tickets. I had to do everything cause they took it very serious down there. And my mom was in a nursing home. She was locked in. We couldn't visit her. They just shuffled her off into a private room so that she could die peacefully. And when I came back, Boy, I'll tell you what, we had a, a Jesus come to church meeting down at the old uh, nursing home. And so all these things affect us. And if they're not affecting your representative, you got to wonder why. Are they that untouchable that reality doesn't actually sink in for them? Reality kicks me in the balls on the daily. So that's why I know if it's doing it to me, it's doing it to you guys. And I'll tell you what, if you don't like it, I don't like it. And if I don't like it, you probably don't like it. It's not that hard. Represent the people. Set up a budget. I have a degree in economics, for Christ's sakes. It's not that hard at all. And that's not blasphemy because I'm not going ahead and acting like I'm Christ-like, but I'm not, you know, so that's what true blasphemy is. <laughs> what would you uh, recommend right now? There's the coronavirus uh, bailout stimulus package that they're all in negotiations. What kind of red lines would you have if you were in Congress that you would be fighting for that you don't what think would... Democrats maybe didn't put in their bill or – or were you satisfied with what, what they came up with? No, I wasn't satisfied with any of it. I don't think that there should be any pork bill spending. I think that it should be direct deposits. I think that it should be the same that other democratic socialistic countries are doing. What is the best way to go ahead and prevent this spread of this pandemic is to take yourself out of the situation. 
So what I was proposing from the jump, I know about UVC 207 nanometer to 222 nanometer, and that would go ahead and destroy any biologics, but it wouldn't adversely affect your skin. So that's a great thing. UVC never actually touches the earth because it's blocked by the ozone layer. So you buy these lights, you put them in everybody's house, you put them in the schools, you flick them on, you go ahead and you sterilize and sanitize in between classes. People that want to go, go. People that don't, don't. It's not that hard. You know, you and I are talking right here and I've learned more off of the internet in the past 20 years than I ever did in any type of, you know, educational setting. But what I would do in the CARES Act is I would set it up very similar to what the other countries that are successfully combating it are. Why do we have to reinvent the wheel? Just stamp America on it and say that it was made in America. Hell, the Chinese have been doing it for a long time. They set up their own cities that said made in America. And it was because that city was labeled America. So it was made in America. So they weren't lying technically. So what I'm saying is give everybody $2,000 a month. And right now we go ahead, we tally it up. We see how much everybody's getting. We keep track of that. And then when the times are good, we start taking back 10% at a time. We pay ourselves back because it's truly all our money anyway. Out of $22 trillion in debt or $26 trillion in debt, $6 trillion is foreign owned. Wake up, ladies and gentlemen. We owe ourselves. Well, I'll forgive that then. Shit, I got a little bit of money in my bank account. I'll be all right. Let's go ahead and forgive the rest of that damn debt then because it's all interest. And if we're a Christian society and we're a Christian nation, you don't charge your brother usury. And if we're all brothers and sisters in the eyes of the Lord, how the hell are we charging usury? This is the thing that's very conflicting about America. They say they want to follow the Bible, but only certain cherry-picked parts. It's an all-or-nothing type of thing. And if you're going to force that on us, then other people can go ahead and do that as well. You know, look at the, I digress, but look at the Satanistic statue that they went ahead and they put in Alabama. That's a religion. You can't do one without the other. That's the American dream. That's the America that I'm fighting for. That's what I'm fighting for. So the CARES Act, to me, was a waste of money. It was making sure that the richest of the richest were taken care of first. If you look at the bailout solely to the airlines of 40 or $50 billion, add up what their valuation as stock is, because that should be the value of their company, the stock. It should be pegged to it, and that's how you buy and sell you know, pieces of a company. The total value of those companies of the top four is less than what we gave them. So literally, we gave them more than what they're worth. How does that benefit us? And the tickets didn't get any cheaper. It's not like we're flying free as Americans because we bailed them out with tax money. What are we getting for our money? These trillions of dollars, what are we getting for that? We got socialism for the rich and rugged capitalism for everyone else. There you go, bootstraps. Oh, you're poor? Where's them bootstraps? Oh, you're rich? Come on over here. How dare they make you suffer? Did you have to wait in the cold for more than 15 seconds? That's appalling. Damn poor people think they're on the same par. Get back in the pit. Yeah, it's old. It's old hat. And I think that everybody's seeing it. And they're tired. They're tired, but they're not worn out. There's a difference. They're getting their second breath. And people like me, I guess I'm a Gen Z Xer, whatever the hell I am, 78. So I'm right in the middle. I understand the boomers because they really had to go ahead and work hard for what they had. You know, I don't envy a life where I got to work in the same factory for 30 years, eight to 10 hours a day, Monday through Friday, possibly Saturday for some overtime so that I can have a good life. To hell with that. I'd rather eat, you know, some spam on Tuesdays and Thursdays and not work on Mondays and Wednesdays. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm not going to go ahead and kill myself so that somebody else can profit from that. And I've been self-employed, literally self-employed. For, I was 25, so 17 years. I employed two or three people, sometimes up to eight. 
I make an impact in society. I know about the multipliers. I know about all of this stuff. And I've never really stood up before because I never truly felt attacked before. You know, and I guess that is the white privilege that people speak of. I never truly felt attacked in certain situations, yes, but on the daily, no. But yeah. now, yeah, it, it's definitely on the daily. And it, it's not a black or white distraction. It is a wealth gap. That's exactly what it is. It is a wealth gap. It's the rich not wanting to get off anything. How many houses, how many houses do you have to own? Now I'm saying this and you're gonna say I'm hypocritical, but I have five houses. I'm going to tell you how I have five. I know. And it's like, oh my God, five houses. I have two rentals. One of my employees lives in one. So that's part of his pay. I make sure because he's not great with money. I make sure that he and his family have a place to live. After 30 years, he will get that house. I have another person that lives in another house that I rent. And that helps me to offset my costs for taxes, different things. It's a gorgeous house. I love it. I've offered them to own it. And if they pay for 30 years, continual, then they get the house. So it's the same as a mortgage. I'm not trying to make generational wealth off of just a few people. I'm trying to make a group of generational wealth. So do you support any kind of gun control measures? And if so, what kind? Okay, the gun control measures that I really am going to push for, I'm a firm believer in inalienable rights. I mean, I take that to heart. When I was saying the Pledge of Allegiance when I was in school and everything, you know, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible. For liberty and justice for all. I literally believed in that. I bought into that shit, lock, stock, and barrel. I'm there. My friends are there. We're all saying it. We're like, okay, this is cool. We believe in this. This is what brings us together. Well, now as I get older and I'm an adult, it's not that way. It's life and liberty for some, justice for, you know, not many, unless you can afford it. And then it's not really justice. It's just you paid off the system. So for gun control. Thank with you. With the inalienable rights, I don't think that any of our rights that were endowed to us by our creator should be government privileges. Your right to vote? Nah, man. I signed up. I'm an American. I pay taxes. I'm stuck here now. Hell, I can't even travel on my passport. That That's real good. So me and North Korea can hang out, I guess. So if I'm stuck here and I've got this system that I, you know, agreed with because it is it's a social contract and i agreed with it and you agreed with it and we all agreed with it otherwise we'd leave but that's the problem we can't leave anymore watch my dinner with andre it'll explain to you exactly what i'm talking about but what i want to say is inalienable rights are just that they can't be taken away but with guns it's tricky because some crazies and i call them crazies because some people are crazy it is what it is what's the definition of crazy they'll use that gun and wipe out everybody within a six mile block you know those people I don't think should have guns. So how do we go about that? Gun training. I had to take a concealed weapons course. I had to go ahead and make sure that I wasn't, you know, in cognitive decline. I wouldn't give Biden a gun. I wouldn't give Trump a gun. You know, they can't even identify an elephant, let alone make a decision in between whether or not their life is in danger. So here in the state of Florida, with stand your ground, <clears throat> some people were using it as hunting. What they would, and what I mean by that is they would go out and they would provoke an incident where somebody would touch them, lash out and attack them, and then they would shoot them. We had seen it several times with Trayvon Martin, uh, the guy over in, I think it was Tampa or St. Petersburg that got knocked down when the guy came out and he had called the guy's wife all kinds of names. And then he took aim and shot him. So for situations like that, I want everybody to be able to have access to a gun as long as they can pass standards to have the gun. 
I don't think that you should be able to go to a, a flea market or a parking lot. I've bought guns at both and be able to just buy a gun because not everybody out there has your best interest at heart. There are dangers out there. And yes, I believe that a good guy with a gun will save lives. But how many good guys are out there, truly? So what we need to do is just try to figure out how to make it so that our rights aren't infringed upon, but we're also protected as a society. And that's tricky. But at the same time, we got to make an effort. We just can't automatically throw our hands up and say, oh, it's tricky. Can't do anything about it. It's tricky. So I do. I definitely believe in gun rights. I don't believe that they should be taken away from us, but I do believe that at a certain age, you have to go just like they used to in school. They used to give, you know, rifle classes, safety classes, different things. I come from a rural area. Hunting, we did deer hunting, turkey hunting, all kinds of different things. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I really don't. I think that the more you learn, the more that you know, the better off you will be and protected. What should the government do to the to all the people in America who can't afford rent they right now and facing mortgage. evictions? They should suspend the mortgages, and then really the landlords have no reason to collect the rent. If they have mortgages on their property, then the landlords yeah. should have no reason to collect the rent because their mortgage is suspended. So that period of time is either going to be added on to the life of the loan at the end with no interest on it because this is what I don't want to get us into the mentality of that things don't need to be paid back. And I think that that's what Trump is taking the approach with China. And I have a strong issue with that because how are you going to be upset with Cuba from 1959 because they kicked us to the, the curb and they kept everything and they've never paid us back a dime. A lot of it was stolen. You can go ahead and you know go back and forth semantics. But at the end of the day, we knew what we were getting into. They knew what they were getting into. And now there's an issue. So let's go ahead and work with each other till we get through the issue and then pick back up, you know, and we can readjust those prices if need be. But at the same time, these banks have literally been made rich off of our taxes and we're not getting anything for it. We're not getting anything for this at all, except for more fees, more homelessness, more loss of just property, everything. You, you lose everything to them, but you don't get anything back. They just take and take and take. So if they suspend the mortgages to the landlords, right, then why do they have to collect rent? They, they don't owe anything right then and there. We have to get past this period. And the number one thing to get us past this period is to diminish the numbers of infected. And the only way that we're going to do that is by either staying away from each other or adhering to strict policies of cleanliness. And we're Americans. Um, I've seen a lot of people lick their fingers after picking French fries up off of the floor. So take from that as you will. What uh, we do like to do here is try to give a voice to people that do not have a major platform or anything like that and doesn't feel like they have a place to get their voice out. And we don't like to steer the conversation too much. Um, and we still we like to give a chance for you to go ahead and take a moment. If there's anything that you haven't said that you want to just get out there for the public to know and just take time. What I have to get out to the public is this. Stop being a coward. These people aren't smarter than you. They're not better than you. They're not better off than you. They're not more dedicated than you. And these things don't affect the ones that run as much as it affects like you and I. 
So until we stop being scared of actually taking a chance, we're never going to make a change. So you got to rise up. Yeah, I spent $7,000 out of my own pocket to get on the ballot. It's probably the best $7,000 that I'll ever spend because I'm going to talk shit to every single one of them. And it'll be justified for the simple fact that they know I'm coming for them. I just want people to realize that they can take a part of the democratic process without being a millionaire. I literally live in a single wide trailer that I bought many, many years ago. It's because I'm never home. I save my money and I buy rentals because I knew that they were going to gut Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, the whole thing. So we were left to our own devices. So I started off at a young age and I'm thankful for that. But I also want other people to know that if I can do it, you can do it. What one man can do, another man can do. And don't ever discount yourself because these people speak a certain way and they act as though they're so civilized and things. These civilized people will eat your young. They have no problem with that. We all know it. So rise up, stand up and run for something, run for anything, you know, run for your local community mayor, run for your county commissioner, run for something. It doesn't take a ton of money, especially now because we do have zoom. We have Facebook, we have different things. And I gave you some pretty, pretty crafty strategies to mirror your opponent, literally piggyback off of everything that they're spending their money on. Why not? Then you don't have to spend it. Why should I pay Facebook to go ahead and put my voice out there when I, he's already paying Facebook to put his voice out there and I can piggyback off of it? So don't waste your money. Don't waste your constituents' money. Don't campaign funding. That, to me, it's just pure gluttony because, as I told you before, they get to keep that money. They can spend it on whatever they want to. So that, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to go ahead and instill a sense of, of courage into people and to allow them to realize that they can run. I'm not guaranteeing a win. Hell, I ain't guaranteeing a win either, but at the same time, I've already made changes. Stube's been proposing different things for mechanical harvesters in the waterways rather than spraying the poison. Those are some platforms that I've been speaking about. I've got ideas on how to create the harvesters, different things. So this is what you do. You challenge them. You want me to drop out, be better than me because then I don't have to do it. I don't want to run. I don't want to be the guy. But if nobody else will and represent the people, somebody's got to. Thank you guys very much. Have a great night. All right. That was Theodore Murray. And uh, I do want to give you a thank you also. We appreciate you taking the time to actually speak with us. And um, you had a lot of really good things to say. And make sure everybody, if you're actually in Florida's uh, 17th Congressional District, that you get out and vote for Theodore Murray if you like what he's saying and like what he's about. Remember, it's going to be the same day as the presidential vote on November 3rd. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Murray. Good luck on your campaign. And you're more than welcome to come back anytime and be a guest again. We really enjoyed having you. And we just getting our website up, so if you want to go straight to our website and not try to find us on iTunes or anything, it's talkingaboutarevolutionnow.com. Find us on there. Um, anybody likes what they have, uh, we have to offer, have donate button on there and everything, so we try to focus more time on this. Yeah, thank y'all so much for joining us. We'll see y'all next time. Catch y'all on the left turn line. We're out of here. Yeah.